I'm John. And I'm Jason. And this is Digital Divination on the No Direction Network. back for episode 59 of Digital Divination, but actually it's not we, it's me, and I have a new co-host, Jason Keeley. Hello, it's it's me. <laughs> I'm here too. My goodness. Yeah. So this is the now the new us, and I am so glad to actually get to know you better on the show now, because I don't really know you very well, but also to have a bona fide Starfinder developer now on our mm. Starfinder show rather than our pseudo kind of Starfinder guy <laughs> Ron Lundeen on the show. What does he know? <laughs> well, you know, he really no, he knows a lot. Starfinder, yes. He's you know, written and, a little bit of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't know all the nuts and bolts of the Star Chamber, and he often referred to that. You know, well, this is how we do it in, on the on the pie, on the Pathfinder side, but they might right. do things a little different different there. But welcome. It's true. You know, th thanks for, for joining us on this uh, this journey now that we've gone 59 episodes. And Ron said we have to go at least 41 more yeah, I heard, to yeah. get to 100. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. are you well, game for that? Uh, you know, I'm game for that. Thank you, Frank, for inviting me to this. And I, and I uh, look forward to getting to know you in, uh, in this process as well. Uh, because like you said, we, we know we're, we've met a few times. We've talked a few yeah. times. So we don't really, don't really know anything about one another. Yeah, and it's it's different than with Ron and I because I had actually played with Ron for a couple of years. I actually mm -hmm. met him before he joined Paizo. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, um, it was like a week before, but <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> he, he'd fair already enough. he'd already moved here, and he'd uh, uh, I I was looking for players, and he saw my posting, and he said, oh. "Hey, yeah, I'm interested in Starfinder," and uh, we got him going right before he he started up. So it was kind of funny. Did you um, so did you post is, that like on on the Paizo forums or just on on social yeah. media somewhere? Um, no, this is old school. Actually, I posted oh. at Zulu's uh, game oh. camp, where I happen to live and where Ron happened to be living at the time. Yeah, I think and, I've been there a couple times. Yeah, I was trying to get something going there. Uh, in addition, we had a home group uh, which Scott Time uh, started with me, right. and. Mm -hmm trying to fill in for a couple players um, wow it's it's always fascinating how people kind of get connected up yeah. uh, uh with each other for to, for for gaming groups like i uh, uh growing up i was more of like a video game player than than sort yeah. of an old school role-playing game player uh but yeah i mean of course you know i would uh, run about into the woods with a with a stick and pretend it's a sword every once in a while with my cousins yeah. whatever but i didn't really start playing i, I played it maybe like once my my friend, my, one of my high school friends' dad was would run a game, but I hadn't been. I was never invited to it, so I didn't really play a bunch until after college, when I moved mm -hmm. back to New York City. Uh, a college friend of mine, she was like, "Oh, I know all these guys from the Renaissance Fair, and they're yeah. actors, and they're running these games." And I was like, "Oh, sure, I'll, I'll I'll meet your new, I'll meet these friends and and play their games." And it was, you know. Uh, the beginning of a of a long journey with them, and I I know all of them still. I don't actually play with many of them, any of them, right. 
uh, pretty much at this point, but I, I, I play with uh, some other people, but um, uh, uh, that was just sort of an amazing group of, of people who, and, and uh, what ended up being is one of the, the, the guy who ran most of the games was, he was an actor. He teaches acting now, I think in Texas. And, um, uh, he 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 did a lot of homebrews. He homebrewed all of his stuff. And he get, uh, nearly every game that we played, he would he created on his right, own. Right, right. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun. So I got to learn a little bit about games because after, oh, after a while he came and and, and asked me about you know, like, you know we 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 started working together on stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And that is the eventual the uh, uh, origination of my stuff that I'd worked on before I came to work for Paizo, a little third party 3.5 stuff. And then uh, a, mm-hmm. a, a fully standalone game based on the tarot deck. They use the tarot deck as a oh, right, right, resolution. Right, right. Um, uh, both of those things are still sort of basically out of print. I think I saw a, a, a copy of just pretty recently, a copy of that game Port fortunes fool, the, the, the tarot game uh, on eBay for like 80 bucks or something, which is kind of wow. interesting. Wow. Yeah. It was kind of fun. So um, yeah. Collectible then, huh? Might just be a collectible. I have a couple, uh, and we only printed. We printed some of them in black and white, and we printed some yeah. of them in in full color. Uh, and the, the color ones are the, the rare ones. If you have a color copy of Fortress Fool out there, I don't know. Let me know. I would love to. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Nice. Um, and it's funny. I and then we we would run that game uh, at Gen Con every every year for a couple of years. Wow. And at the most, even the most recent Gen Con that I was at, which was in 2019. Uh, a couple came up to me and was like, "Hey, do you remember me? I, you know, you ran Fortune's Fool for us, and we're still playing it." I'm like, "Oh my god, no way!" Um, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm working at Pi. I was in Pi's booth at the point, that point, right?" Uh, right so it was, right. it was, you know, it was, uh, it's, it's amazing how these connections get made, and we, you know, hold on to them for so long, and and, and you know, form these great, I don't know, adult friendships. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, um, it's funny the the group that I'm. I started playing with with Ron. One of the players in there was my high school DM when I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and we still and I'm still playing with him now. But kind of like you, I had a big gap where I played a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I played uh, probably that I still play now. I, I started playing um, uh, Diablo, right? Diablo oh, two yeah. and stuff like that. I yeah. played Neverwinter Nights. Um, yeah. Which is a kind of a 3.0, 3.5 conversion they had by, by BioWare. Um, ran a couple of persistent worlds. And then I got really heavy duty into Guild Wars, which is oh, actually okay. um, kind of written here locally. And I, for a while, I led the world's largest guild. We had six to 700 members. Um, I was in international PvP competitions. Wow. I sponsored uh, online uh, tournaments with real prizes uh, from mm-hmm. around the world. Um, did a lot of writing, um, you know, for them and that, right. but one of the things I found with video games, one of the reasons why I turned back to, uh, role-playing games, tabletop is I missed the interaction with, uh, face-to-face yeah. with people, uh, which is yeah, really yeah. funny during the pandemic that we've <laughs> kind of yeah. gotten away from Fair that. enough. Yeah. But I, I, no, I, I really, I'm, I'm one of the people that started with the, the old, uh, the old, uh, D and D box. That didn't mm-hmm. even find didn't even have dice. They had slips of paper. You had to cut them oh up, gosh. and then you draw out a number from a cup. That's how you oh, randomly wow. generated numbers. So, yeah. it was, uh, I I did have a red box. I remember yeah. having a red box set uh, when I was in high school, but I never got to play it with anyone at the time. Yeah, yeah. So 
Um, just to back up a little bit, where sure. are you from originally? I uh, was born in southern New Jersey. Oh, okay. Which, so I'm which from exit? the East Coast. <laughs> four. Exit four. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, it's, a, it's a classic joke for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's sort of near, um, not too far outside of Philadelphia, maybe about half an hour okay. outside of Philadelphia right, right. Uh, in that area. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of <laughs> was there for a while until I left. <laughs> uh, went to uh, college in Delaware, University of Delaware. Oh, and then neat. I. Uh, moved up to New York City, and I lived there for a while. I lived in Connecticut. I lived in Vir- Richmond, Virginia, uh, for about a year, uh, and then New York City again. And now uh, here in you know Redmond, Washington. Well, and you moved here specifically for Paizo, or were you doing yeah. something else? No, I was moved here specifically for Paizo. I I uh, got the job, and uh, I kind of actually found out that I got the job right before i went on a cruise uh so i went on a big cruise uh and uh also yeah also at the time i was doing rpg superstar and had to kind of like knew i was getting the job and had to kind of drop out from there and we're in a surreptitious manner without saying why just like oh, right, I can't do it. right sorry right right um and i was the cruise and i was sort of like kind of telling people it was kind of a nerdy cruise so people knew most, of the, <laughs> most people knew i said oh i'm gonna work for them um and that was that was right before my 40th birthday so it was a little bit of a, a milestone mm-hmm. uh in a ways uh and and then we uh i bought a car uh and uh had movers come and pack up a bunch of stuff and then drove across the country uh with my wife and you know, we 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 rented this apartment that I'm in that you see kind of around you, uh, kind of sight unseen. You know, we we had pic- seen pictures of it, but we didn't know what the really what the inside looked like. So right, right, it was a bit of a gamble. Um, but then again, you know, a lot of people were. Th- th- these apartments are like a five minute walk from the Paizo offices, so it's sort of just be like a bunch of people kind of live around here. Why, you know, oh great, right. we'll just you know, and 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 they they did at the time, um, and uh, so yeah. Uh, and been here since then. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of neat. I've I've had a little bit different background in that my mm-hmm. my father was in the service, and mm-hmm. so I moved around quite a bit uh, as a child. Um, you know, Hawaii, Southern California, mm-hmm. Florida, uh, Philippines, Washington, where I'm at now. We mm-hmm. were on Whidbey Island at the time. Um, so I moved around quite a bit um, with them. And then I was in the service as well. I was in the Coast Guard. Um, I actually went to the Coast Guard Academy in Connecticut. And so that's how I kind of know about the, you know, which exit thing for if you're from New Jersey. Oh. That's what we <laughs> right. did all the time. Um, you know, I've been to Delaware and, you know, Philadelphia and a bunch of those places. Um, but only mostly when I was in school. I, I haven't gone back much. Um, when I got out of the service, I was in about 10 years. I did, mostly law enforcement, some icebreaking uh, work for them. And then I actually started teaching at the Coast Guard Academy itself. So I moved mm-hmm. back to Connecticut and I decided I want to be a full-time uh, professor. So I started um, actually classes at UConn. And then mm-hmm. when I decided to go full-time, I went to Michigan. Uh, that's where I went and okay. uh, got a master's and got a doctorate there. And uh, from there, I went to Oregon uh, to teach, University of Oregon. Then I moved up here, was at University of Washington in Bothell teaching and now I'm over at Seattle Pacific which is over on Queen Anne so mm, in Seattle and I okay. teach well, business classes okay there you go I was just about to ask yeah so marketing I teach entrepreneurship 
um, organizational behavior, intro to business. I kind of have, um, I consider myself a consumer psychologist. So that's kind of what mm-hmm. my research area is. I actually did a lot of coursework for a PhD in business and a PhD in psychology. And so mm-hmm. I really like um, uh, social psychology and social cognition. So kind of the cross between how how you think and how when you interact with others, how that affects your thinking. And, and I, I look at decision-making, the things that improve or bias people's decision-making. Uh-huh. I, I tell you, John, we could have could have used you uh, about ten years back when I was had the small press publishing uh, company because we had it was just like three guys and none of us had any real business acumen. Out there. Well, that's really typical. I mean, oftentimes yeah. you have somebody who's got good technical skills, and so I teach entrepreneurship and and I actually do consulting with businesses. You know, oftentimes you have somebody who's re- really strong technical skills. They have a drive, and so they get involved in operations. But because they don't have, you know, a more managerial background or a strategic background, they always kind of focus on the day to day and they don't have the opportunity to think, think bigger picture. And it just yeah. becomes super stressful for them. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, definitely. So uh, what did you do in college? What was your focus there? Well, uh, that's kind of a funny story, I guess. Um, I went into college. I went to. I chose the University of Delaware because they had a pretty good bunch of science programs, and I was mm-hmm. considered myself that I wanted to be some kind of scientist. So I majored in uh, biochemistry for two years. Uh, uh, the first year was also the basics: basic chemistry, organic chemistry, right. that kind right. of stuff. Uh, I started doing some some lab work, you know, as mm-hmm. a kind of an intern uh, during the summers. And um, that uh, that second year, uh, uh, that second summer, uh, I was doing a lot of stuff, and I was just kind of like sitting in a lab and looking at a machine and and exchanging a test tube when it beeped. Uh, up until like two or three in the morning or some some nonsense stuff. I uh, that summer I accidentally flooded the lab uh, <laughs> uh, uh, because I left a. There was a machine you had to run sort of water through to keep it cool, basically, and then the right. tube would go when it's supposed to go into the sink. I left the water running, and uh, when I went home for the that night, and apparently the tube at one point slipped off, so the nozzle which would the tube would have led into the sink was just sort of spewing out onto the onto the uh, table, right? And then onto the floor. And so the uh, the actual grad student who I uh, was sort of like helping out was 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 there at some point and like then noticed his feet was getting wet. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, uh, uh, kind of yelled at me <laughs> after that. You know, I was like, I had to run away and I missed my, I messed up my titrations um, and that sort of thing. And also during that summer, uh, and uh, a little bit before the year before that, I, I was really heavily involved with the student theater group, or one of the mm-hmm. two student theater groups at, uh, that was there. Uh, and that summer, we were doing a bunch of uh, one act plays by a playwright um, called named David Ives. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever read or heard of him, or seen anything by David Ives, but I've, he does I've kind heard of, of him, but I don't know. He does kind of surrealistic kind mm-hmm. of stuff. One one act we did was we were the three monkeys typing away at the typewriter, trying to write Hamlet. Yeah. Uh, there's one that's basically uh, every time uh, uh, this couple is trying to have a date, and every time one of them rings a bell, they have to start over. Um, <laughs> uh, stuff like that. And it was a real lot of fun. And I was like, this is way more fun than any kind of science stuff that I'm working on. So come that fall, I changed my major to English with a concentration in dramatic studies. Uh, yeah. 
that's helped my and you know I, I did a lot more theater i did a lot of improv at that point after that point too so uh you know that's helped my jamming skills that's for sure <laughs> were you were you jamming at the time no oh, uh the, after, the, the right? thing it was afterwards yeah but the t- at the time it was it was i'll tell you though i i, I was aware of role-playing games obviously mm-hmm. at the time and 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 uh, I'd, i had some close friends that probably would have been playing with and i looked at them and I, I remember thinking if i get into this that's it for me i will never do anything else because it looks like a whole lot of fun yeah. and i do a lot of you know i was doing a lot of improv and this is like this is like 95 percent improv just with some some rules every once in a while mm-hmm. and i was right i mean once i started doing it it was kind of like my became my identity essentially um so uh, i just sort of I was like oh but then maybe i'll become an actor or whatever uh, after college and i never really did that i didn't really uh and i did a couple um um uh community theater projects in like delaware and and stuff like that after immediately Mm -hmm. after graduating but then i started working you know having to do you know work i was working at i was working at borders bookstore so it was that and then i started doing temp work in new york city Uh, and eventually i just kind of fell into um uh becoming a, a crossword puzzle editor wow yeah, and for a, a company called Penny Press, it was headquartered up in Connecticut. Uh, so mm-hmm. for a long time, I would uh, get up. I'd lived in Brooklyn. I'd get up on the train, you know, take the train into the Grand Central Station, take a, 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 a Metro North train up to uh, this small stop called East Norwalk. Um, mm-hmm. And then yep. their their offices were just like, a you know, another couple feet away from the train station. So that was a, and, and I met a couple of people who were doing the exact same thing. Uh, so we rode the train together and we would, you know, just sort of, you know, either chat during the train or more more likely than not fall asleep on that train <laughs> ride up. Right. Just right. To get a get a couple another 45 minutes of sleep yeah. uh, before going to work. Uh, I, I, that's how I learned how to sleep on trains just long enough to not over to not miss my stop. Right. 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 Yeah. So um, and yeah. Is yeah, it did that for a while. crossword puzzle editor? What do you actually do? So uh, uh, to to get drilled into the specifics, uh, the for the first couple of years that I worked at this, I was a logic puzzle editor. And okay. if you're familiar with logic puzzles, they are um, uh, basically you get a bunch of statements that are uh, you get. There's a bunch of variables like uh, here are five people that are each wearing a different color shirt, and each of them is eating a different type of sandwich. And then you get a bunch of statements that are like uh, you know Bob did not eat the chicken salad sandwich, et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, stuff you might find on like the LSAT too, right? Right. Um, uh, so we, this company put out books of these and they were all little, like little, you got to do little stories. So that was kind of fun. I got to write a little story for each one, uh, justify why all these people were doing weird nonsense. Uh, and then, you know, test solve them, make sure that it, you know, they were made larger. They had to write the solution, that kind of thing. So that was going on for a while. But as you can imagine, those don't sell very well. Uh, right. You know, role-playing is a niche market, but puzzle magazines is probably just <laughs> as niche a market and maybe even... Yeah nichier uh back in the day it was you know a print magazine uh and and at that time sort of like <clears throat> sudoku was becoming a big craze uh and that those you could make but uh with a computer program and print like mm-hmm. hundreds of them at a time uh and just sort of sell those so the logic bu- bu- puzzle business was was um not lucrative uh and eventually i actually left that company and that's why i spent a year in richmond virginia uh trying to get a a, a job for a bigger company and i ended up working i tell you i backed a lot of winners i ended up working for uh the circuit city corporate headquarters working on their mm-hmm. um 
like in-house magazine for their stereo sellers and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was not very fulfilling. So I eventually the, the it happened that uh, Penny Press was needed more people again. So I moved mm-hmm. back to New York City to work for them. And that's when I started working a lot of times uh, in their New York office. So I didn't have to travel as far. Um, uh, and then eventually kind of like from home for like three days out of the week. And then I got into the crossword puzzle editing, which was, um, again, uh, 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 what I worked on with the, the easy or puzzles. So those were actually the, the grids were generated by a computer. Mm-hmm. So you would just like, I need you know, to hear this, this month's, there's 100 easy puzzles, go into the filing cabinet, pull out the printouts of 100 puzzles, uh, and look at the whatever computer codes are on there, and just sort of flip through them and make sure, you know, the computer didn't mess anything up or didn't accidentally print a curse word or whatever. And then we use a, you know, sort of an in-house program to clue all of them from a database. We had a huge database of clues that were designated easy. So you get, and this happens a lot in easy crossword puzzles, the name Alan. Uh, and so you'd be like, Alan, Alan Alda, Alan... Arkin, you know, and any of the other Allens that might be. Um, and then you just sort of pick that. And I could go through and do, and these are about, um, I would say, I think they were about 15 by 15 squares uh, mm-hmm. on the side. Uh, I could probably do like five or six of those in a day's work pretty easily. Just sort of like, and each of them had about 50 clues, I want to say, around about there. Um, maybe a little less, maybe 40. Uh, so yeah, so that was basically it. Uh, after doing that for about a year was when I sort of began to get every every week. I would also help make one of the harder crosswords by suggesting clues for the more more original, more more interesting clues for 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 other words. So even if it was Alan, I'd have to come up with like oh some more obscure Alan or something like that, or an obscure Alan older role, you know, right. <laughs> to 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 sort of make the make the puzzle harder. So you had to have a, a kind of a rich background of knowledge related to yeah. various topics in order to come with, come up with original clues then too. Yeah, it didn't hurt. Uh, you know, we, yeah. but you know, at that point, you know, of course there was the internet did exist, so uh, right. it was it, it not not too difficult to start googling stuff and finding things, and and that's sort of like, oh, uh, I always have love puzzles. I used to do Games Magazine, right. you know, back in the day. I used to have a subscription to that, so and. Um, so this was a, a, you know, kind of a, one of those things where, you know, it's a dream come true to work for them. Uh, but then it was also, uh, not for Games Magazine, but a dream come true to work on puzzles. But after a while, it got a little, you know, oh, now I see how the sausage is made. This is a little less interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But I, obviously, I came back to it uh, these days. Uh, uh, as sort of Ron would have mentioned last time, the puzzle, you know, the Paisocon puzzle hunt. Right. That Joe Pacini right. and I started. Uh, I'm still doing puzzles uh, uh, now, you know, for fun <laughs> instead of for work. So how did you transition from from puzzle editing to RPG writing? So you were doing some freelance work with your your tarot um, game. And then how did that get you over to Paizo? Oh, yeah. Uh, Before that, you know, when I started playing the games, uh, Mm -hmm. I I think I do this thing where I I like something and then I want to kind of just make my own of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is very good. This is a very good novel. I should write a book. This is, a you know. A pretty cool, you know, video game. I should maybe try to think about how to make a video game. Um, uh, uh, so I, I, I kind of got started that playing when I was trying to play them, and then a, a friend of mine from college was like, you know, hey, you know, let's make our let's make a game. And th- this is not the guy who that I was I was uh, uh, playing with, but I eventually roped him in, and we started working on these things. Uh, and that's why I sort of started honing my editing skills even more so 
and not exactly broadening on the way because editing crossword puzzles is a very specific right. version right. of editing things, right? Um, but broadening my my editing skills a little bit, and then just after doing that for a little bit and and getting some recognition, uh, uh, Fortress Full did win an Emmy, which was pretty cool. Hmm. Uh, that was the year we decided not to go to the ceremony, uh, but <laughs> uh, whatever. Um, and then uh, uh, just sort of putting out the feelers to you know. S- Seeing that that the Paizo was doing the RPG Superstar stuff and sort of beginning mm-hmm. to submit for that, um, and just seeing that at one point, just seeing that they had um, a uh, a job opening, uh, and actually the first time I applied uh, to be an editor at Paizo, uh, I didn't get it because uh, at, at the time uh, they was told that it was it was it was going to be one of more of a contract position or a real short position and. Uh, James Sutter, who was the one of the people who interviewed me and who was the, at at the time sort of like the managing editor in a lot of ways, um, he said, "Oh, I don't want you to come move out here for just w- what might not be a job after six months, but you should contact these people, maybe start doing some freelance for us." When so I did some freelance editing, and then I started doing some freelance writing, uh, and then the next time a job opening came up, I I went for it. And that time I was actually applying to be a developer, mm-hmm. but then uh, at the same time they had that that same editing position kind of open up again or, in, or maybe it's a different one uh and then Sutter contacted me and says you know you're still in the running for the developer position but i could also offer you this editing position and i was like well you know take the guaranteed thing or try to get a different you know so i was like oh, i'm just i'll take the guaranteed thing and that's how i you know came to to be and then from from there you know once you get to into paizo in the, the foot in the door and start getting a little more freelance you get to know things a little better right and then you can uh, not that everyone moves away out of editing to development or design, but a lot, you know, there is a sort of a a precedent there. There's been a, a precedent there, and that's what eventually happened to me. Mm-hmm. Now, who who got the design position you were applying for? Do you know? That was Amanda. Oh, it was really? Amanda Hammond. Yeah. Wow. I'm pre- I, I'm pretty sure it was either Amanda Hammond or Linda Zayas Palmer. Yeah. Um, and Linda started about a week before me, and Amanda and I started about the same time. Mm-hmm. so I, I was pretty sure it was her. and it's the sort of thing i was like i'm always i'm glad that i didn't try to get the development position because i probably wouldn't have <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, i was going and, against and those two would be, right would be really tough i i don't know linda's background as well i should i interviewed both of them i should remember it but i i do recall i was amazed at how how experienced amanda was all the work that she's oh, yeah. done yeah, yeah she's so. done a lot of it. Linda was huge with the organized play in right. it. So yeah, she does, that. you know, and obviously she still is as, as, as mm-hmm. the development manager for that. But, um, you know, she just knew that game inside out from from playing it so much, at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, mm-hmm. she's also very smart. So mm-hmm. now when you were editing, was that for that was for Pathfinder when you first came? Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That was for the, and, the, the first group. Yeah. And then when you switched to developer, were you? A developer for Starfinder right off the bat, or not quite. I got put on like one or two of the player companions to sort of like right to test, sort of a test run, but also sort of a if someone needs to do them while some other people are working on Starfinder. Right. Um, right. So uh, uh, I did a couple of those, uh, and uh, you know, Amanda was actually training me uh, mm-hmm. on that, uh, and then and then it came to be like, well, we also need some. And again, this is also James Sutter was like, you know, we need some more people on the Starfinder team you want to come on over and, and work on the core rule book i'm like yeah let's do it i love space stuff <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, it's kind of neat to have been on the ground the ground floor for that then, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I got do you want to uh, this is a this this is a funny story. I don't know if I've told anyone this uh at least on a podcast. But um <clears throat> at some point uh we were looking we we're doing playtesting some stuff and we needed to have some like uh, uh uh enemies, right? So, uh you know, Pathfinders goblins are big and huge. Everyone loves the goblins. So I just started I was like, I'll just take this and I'll write some numbers down and I'll just call it a space goblin. Isn't that hilarious? And it was just mostly a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, with, with the playtest, and then James was like, well, when we, the, the first thing we actually really did for Starfinder was the free RPG day, kind of like quote unquote bonus bestiary. It's called Starfinder First Contact, where we just had right. some stats. Yep. Um, and James was like, well, you got to put the space goblin in there. I'm like, but that was a joke. It just should be just a goblin in space. And then no, we're going to put a, you know, and then, okay, we'll make a space goblin. And then, I don't remember whose idea exactly it was to put him in a bubble helmet mm-hmm. <laughs> and that had a bandage on. I mean, that was the artist right. probably put the bandage on. But it was just sort of like it became this iconic thing like right away. And I feel, I always feel like, oh, these things can, you got to be careful about what you say, <laughs> especially, in, uh, you know, around the Starfinder group in a lot of ways, because uh, things, things can be, you know, a little more open, you know, a little more gonzo. Uh, and 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 so when you start talking about space goblins, uh, people are like space goblins. They're called space goblins now. Um, okay, great. <laughs> no, that's you know the first time I came across Starfinder was at that free RPG day when that came out, mm-hmm. and actually I met Scott Kime um, at uh, Gadgets and Gizmos over in Kirkland. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's it's uh it was adjacent to Vernon Wells where Vernon Wells is if you know where that is, uh, the store's not there anymore. But right. um, my my former um, DM uh, Rob Helm, who's in my actual play now for with Intrepid Heroes, he was going to run uh, RuneQuest. He's a huge RuneQuest fan, mm-hmm. so he invited me out there to play, and so I played that, and Scott Kime played, and we played at the table, and Scott said, "Oh yeah, I work at Paizo." Um, we have this um, this thing over here. You should check it out. It was uh, first contact uh, mm-hmm. Starfinder free RPG thing. So I got that. Uh, and anyway, so he invited us over to his house to start playing Pathfinder. So we played the the uh, uh, beginner box for for Pathfinder, mm-hmm. and yeah. then uh, shortly after that, uh, Starfinder was released at Gen Con. I didn't know it was coming then, and I was I'm huge huge sci fi fantasy fan. And yeah. so as soon as that came out, I got that and uh, I got actually the core rule book for my birthday, which is in August. So right after I released at Gen Con and, and then we started playing at Scott's house with um, Incident Apps on Station and went through all of Dead Sons right, there. And yeah. that's how we got uh, Ron involved as well. Um, yeah, well, that's really neat that you were so instrumental then to you know so many parts of Starfinder then. Yeah, I mean, I I worked on the first Alien Archive. I worked on the Pack Worlds book. Um, you know, I <clears throat> did some work on the core rule book, like you know, just sort of pass it. Actually, I worked on the legacy chapter pretty in, uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. extensively. Um, just saying, like, oh well, what do you do to? How do you make a? How do you take your Pathfinder first edition character and, and right. push right. them out of the airlock into space? Oh well, you got to change the hit dice. This, this you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Um, so I've been at it since the beginning, kind of. 
I was never, I was, I, I wasn't part of like the initial concepting of like classes and, and, and that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. my fingerprints are in that DNA to mix metaphors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, so that was kind of where you started. What is your official title now? I am the de- development manager. Okay. So like Ron was the development manager for yes. Pathfinder. You're the development manager for the Starfinder Star team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So I definitely got an upgrade in co-host. Good. That works, <laughs> that works out well. I mean, it, oh, I would say lateral. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lateral move for you, John. No, but it's 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 the focus because we are a Starfinder focused podcast. Yes. So, you know, to get the Starfinder uh, development managers is is good. Now, I do have a question for you, and this is very pertinent to me. So right. um, I noticed that uh, we have uh, Jason Keeley. We mm-hmm. had Jason Tondro. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Compton was in mm-hmm. there. Uh, Joe Pacini. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you add Jenny Jarzabski and mm-hmm. Jessica Catalan. So mm-hmm. does the fact that my name starts with a J mean I have a higher than average chance to get in the star chamber uh well, definitely 100 percent. we don't uh we don't, we only look at candidates whose names start with j the the uh uh we we do joke about that obviously a lot because it's, yeah. it's pretty obvious at one point we were we had uh, uh before before tondro left we were kind of uh flirting with the idea of of, of calling ourselves the j squadron and yeah. having call signs like star wars yeah. um uh but uh you know it's it is what it is because you know we, we don't we we've also uh, we've also technically got Thurston Hillman in there yeah so yeah. he's not a he's not a he's not he's not a J name but I guess he's an honorary J we'll say and you had sure Owen in there before him. too yeah right? we had Owen we had Robert yeah, so we didn't it have a lot always of, the case yeah. it wasn't always the case but it just sort of yeah. it became that way yeah. over the course of the uh, you know a couple of years just by coincidence really. So, and now this kind of leads to another question um, in that, uh, so I know, um, so Jason Tondro uh, referred to him as Jake, right? Yeah, Jake. Yeah. Right. Because you have a Jason Bullman who's like the That's first right. Jason, right? Now for you, everybody calls you Keeley. Is That's that right. correct? Yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah. So on this show, do you want to go by Jason or do you want to go by Keeley? Um, I, I leave it up to whoever's talking to me. I'll be honest with you. I, I answer to a lot of different, not a lot, maybe like three names, uh, yeah. essentially. Uh, I was actually often, uh, being the age that I am, I always knew another Jason, right. essentially. I was, and, and, and for a lot of times, friends with them. So I've been, been called Keely most of my life. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Jason is sort of foot. Generally, what family calls me, or people who don't know me that well, generally call me just just Jason. And then the then there's the third nickname, uh, which is based off of my Twitter handle, uh, Hers Weston. And a lot of people uh, that I know uh, call me Hersey. So I answer to all kinds of names. All right. Well, for the purposes of this podcast, I think we're going to go with Jason. That makes only sense. so we get the alliteration. Um, that makes sense. You know, with with Ron, we had the rhyming, and so now mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll go with the alliteration which i think is a higher form of uh, you have to tell me you're the english guy is that kind of a <laughs> higher form of prose uh, um it's alliteration versus rhyming versus rhyming uh it's it's hmm. um well the thing about rhyming in a weird way rhyming is is, is a lot as a is kind of similar to assonance which is the hmm. 
uh, you know, vowel, similar vowel sounds. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's, 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 they're, 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 they're close. They're close cousins. I would say. Okay. Okay. I, I don't like to two sides, John, you'll find that for myself. I'll try to be like, well, this is pretty good, but this is also pretty good. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, I, I think we're going to go with, uh, now I'm not sure if we're going to go with Jason and John or John and Jason. I, I don't know you. So when I did it with Ron, basically mm-hmm. the only time that comes up is when I'm posting about one of our episodes and I yeah. usually put whoever is kind of talking more or driving the topic. They just come first. That's kind of how that okay. goes. But, but I think on, on, yeah, we'll figure it out. That's something yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. One of the, one of those things that uh, doesn't really matter, but once we get in into our rut, then I'm sure we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep going. Now you, you spend all day, not all day, but your work day spent doing Starfinder. That's right. right? Yeah. Pretty, so yeah. for this show, I don't want it to come across as work for you. So I would never. But what can we do to make it more fun and still be Starfinder oriented, do you think? Um, I mean, the, I one of the things I'm definitely going to need to do is not talk about the things that I've can't quite talk about yet oh yeah, yeah, yeah haven't been announced sure. whatever and you know i know stuff a year or two in advance practically right um and so i have to take that back so what might be fun to talk about not every time but definitely fun to talk about um what's happening i mean and i don't want to come across as a shield either right oh this is the next oh, this yeah. is the latest greatest product right um but uh so so in a lot of ways we want to talk about you know ways to make your starfinder game better or more fun or uh, Mm -hmm. uh, influences that you and i have have for science fiction science fiction related material that's not uh starfinder but could be possibly pulled into your starfinder game you know inspirations of uh uh, uh, media that sort of thing Uh, you know Mm -hmm. i'm i'm happy to talk about so much sci-fi stuff that you know we could we could we could go like a month (laughs) <laughs> or three without talking about Starfinder and just talk about, you know, oh. TV and movies and video games, but and books and whatnot. But what's your favorite uh, we sci-fi? Can always... What's your favorite sci-fi book? All right, I'm going to uh uh, uh pr- just if you throw that at me, it's um it's probably Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. I've read that so many times. Yeah. Uh and and that is uh just just formative for me in my mm-hmm. brain. Uh, of how my brain works and how I think about sci-fi. You'll, you'll probably find that when, when I'm working on the stuff that I've worked on, you might be able to recognize a little bit of whack kookiness sometimes or, or things that I pitch mm-hmm. might get a little kooky. Uh, I, I, if I can get it, I, I go as kooky as I can get away with. <laughs> and, and then it's, it'll be up to the rest of the, 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 the Starfinder <laughs> team to, 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 to pull me back. At, but most, I'm finding a lot of times they're like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Um, uh, so that's good. Um, there is, uh, I mean, I, I read, uh, uh, you know, I read um, uh, a lot of, um, oh God, what is his name? Paul Anderson? Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul the, Anderson. Ta- the Time Cop series? Not kind of, Time Cops, okay. right? Yeah. Uh, I, I read a lot of that. Cause that, was a, that was a lot of series and lots of um, mm-hmm. short novels and whatnot. And Alfred Bester. I think would probably be a, an influence of mine. Um, have space suit will travel. I th- okay. think right, right, is right. Alfred Bester. Um, I might be, I might be butchering that though. Um, which means I'm uh, immediately thinking about Googling it. There was another one that I can't <laughs> remember the name of that I have still on my shelf. Um, 
The Star is My Destination. That's it is. Uh, yes. He did not write Have Space It Will Travel, but he wrote The Star is My Destination. That's, that's yeah, when I was little. When I was growing up, I read a lot of hard science, uh, science mm-hmm. fiction. And one of my favorite, uh, actually, pair of authors was uh, Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's kind of really old school. Um, I also liked the early cyberpunk stuff, you know, so um, uh, what uh, Count Zero and. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, William, Neuroma- Gibson stuff. Oh, yeah William Gibson yeah. stuff. N- Neural um, Neil, Neil Stevenson, right? Um, uh, you're, you're familiar with Neil Stevenson? The um, uh, Snow, uh, Snow Crash, uh, Diamond Age. Mm-mm. Oh, that, that, that's some great sci-fi stuff. Um, sorry, I interrupted you. No, 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 that's fine. I'm just trying to, yeah, one of the things, for my job, I have to, I read for a living, basically. Hmm, and yeah. so I don't have near as much free time. I, I was a voracious reader all through, you know, junior high, high school, college, and then even on ship, because I was on ship for six mm-hmm. years well, after I graduated, I would read a lot. But since then, I I I have very little time to read for fun. That's one of the things I would like to get back into, but it's hard. It's hard yeah, now it when is. you have so many other things pulling at you. Yeah, well, I I definitely my my uh, reading dropped way off when I stopped having to take the subway. <laughs> yes. Riding the subway was a great time to read. I mean, I would read. I would be reading like Pathfinder Adventure Paths, uh, you know, yeah. and and game rule books. But I would also read lots of other books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since since I moved out here, it's become very difficult. Podcasts kind of replaced that a little bit for the when I right. would walk to the office and back. But then since the pandemic, I haven't really I fell behind on all my podcasts as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I have started to pick up reading a little more, grabbing um, uh, Libby. If you're familiar with that, it's a library app uh, oh, that yeah, I have, yeah. uh, you can look at on your phone um, and and reading that. And I I ate, literally just last week. Uh, went back to a physical a physical book <laughs> mm-hmm. which is kind of uh 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 new i haven't I haven't really i mean except for i guess i guess the stuff that i get from paizo uh, i flip through physical right. book wise or any physically another role-playing game book that i've ordered mm-hmm. uh but but for a novel i haven't picked up a physical novel in a long time until just last week you ever do books on tape sometimes yes um it's actually just finished listening to um uh, 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 this is how you lose the time war. Um, uh, a and very interesting and very weird uh, uh, book uh, about the two agents, two time traveling agents who were fighting against each other, but then they're writing each other letters, and oh. they clearly they they clearly fall in love, <laughs> but it's also uh, very strange. Uh, they're coming from. Com- Competing futures, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little bit like that. Was, or the lake house. <laughs> yeah, um, the lake house. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there was another yeah. one that I can't quite remember the name of the title of, but it was about a clearly a post-apocalyptic future mm-hmm. in which the robots uh, didn't destroy everyone. They just left and, I guess, go live in the woods. And then, huh. but uh, 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 this tea monk is accidentally stumbles into a robot who's come and like, I'm going to learn about humans. And then they kind of have a little adventure oh. together but and that's like the first in a series so there'll be more yeah. of those more popular ones. yeah i did um i've been doing some book on book on tape because i can listen to that while i'm doing other things yeah. so like a podcast i did all mm-hmm. the um the expanse books on tape. Oh, okay so i yeah. love the expanse series and then it ended 
and I wanted to keep going, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and then they've since come out with a couple more, but that's like one of my favorite sci-fi series. Cause I like, I really like the science yeah. part of things. I, you know, I like science fantasy, some with star Wars and things like that, but the sci-fi part is really what gets me even actually with, um, with Starfinder, I like, I'd like, I have easier time writing that. Um, hmm. even though I've done a lot of the, the, the magic parts, um, I will bring up uh, one more thing, and then I think we'll have to wrap this up. Okay. Uh, and so I've I've actually done a, a bunch of contracts for Paizo, a bunch of Starfinder stuff. I've never worked with you. I've never yeah. worked with you. And um, I'm not I'm not going to say that that should stay this way. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I you know talking to uh, you know Jake and talking to Ron and and some other folks there is that. Oftentimes the developers are friendly with the people that are doing writing for them. It's not like, yeah. uh, it's not like they're playing favorites, but if they know somebody who's competent to do stuff, just because they know them, they don't blackball them from, from being able to write for them. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, uh, there's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> there's, there's some friendliness that happens. There's some, uh, people who are just like, oh, we work really well together. This person knows what I want and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it just comes to, down to like uh, uh, being at the, it's kind of like kind of being in the right place at the right time a, right. a lot of times too. It's like, oh, yeah. Because I, doing event, doing the adventure pass mostly, uh, I had, I would assign ch things in, in chunks and then, and then not nothing for another big chunk right. of time. Right. right. So it, it, it becomes difficult to get to, to, and then, and then when I do have stuff, it's not as much stuff as you might be in a hardcover. So there's, right. I, I have to be a little, so not, well, I don't want to say selective in terms of like that. I didn't, I chose, like I, I didn't choose not to work with you. It just never really kind of happened. I right. Think. No, no, no. I'm I'm not saying anything like that. Okay, fair enough. Oh, okay. What, what I, I'm I, saying I, I, is, got, I got this is an future, ambush here. Gotcha journalism. In the future, it's okay if I work with you, right? Even though we're doing it's a show. Definitely okay that we work Okay. I okay. So I look will, forward to yeah. that whenever the timing happens. Whatever so. happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All, All right. right. I'll write that down now. Okay. So uh yeah, usually our shows go about this long. So uh All right, I, yeah. think, I think we gotta wrap it up. Well, I'm John. And I'm Jason. And this has been Digital Divination. <laughs>